Welcome to the Tapped In Podcast, a production from the Bellingham Tap Trail. Tapped In covers the people, news, and events in and around Bellingham's craft beer scene. My name's Aaron, and I'm your host for today's episode. Before we get started, why not head to taptrail.com? There you're going to find great articles about the Bellingham craft beer scene, as well as the food truck calendar. Yes, your favorite food trucks. Where are they? Well, you can find out with the food truck calendar on the Bellingham Tap Trail. That's at taptrail.com. All right, I'm at Elizabeth Station, the beer spot in Bellingham, in my opinion, with the man, your name? Coco. And Elizabeth Stations, how many taps are you running now? We have 16 beer taps, eight cider taps, four wine taps, and we just put in eight event taps that were rounding out the rest of the sours we had for Sourfest on. All right. <laughs> so it's getting a little crazy. And then how many fridges? I won't, I won't say how many beers, but how many fridges? Uh, we have 17 beer doors, four cider doors, and one wine door. We're rocking somewhere around... 900 beers on average, 300 ciders, 300 wines. Mm -hmm. And so your role here, why I'm asking you these questions. I'm the package buyer. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So where are you buying from? Anybody and everybody we can. All the big vendors. We drive down to Seattle once or twice a month to deal with vendors that don't come up here and deliver. We get around any brewery that wants to self-distribute or cider house. We go to some of those spots like Holy Mountain, and we picked up stuff from Stoop and Skookum. Three Magnets comes up here sometimes. You know, we just kind of anybody who got good beer and wants to make it happen we do our best to accommodate where's the furthest a beer has traveled to come here besides imported stuff something we've done personally i brought up a case of beer from eugene one time because i was down there for a wedding and they just gave me a check and were like see something cool grab it so (laughs) i I did (laughs) right all right so summer's out of the way unfortunately uh, looking back, what were some major trends over the summer that you saw in terms of beer styles and what was selling here? Beer styles and what sells, I I feel like in general, more and more anybody and everybody is doing fruit beers. Yeah, it's the it's the season of the haze this year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hazy IPAs, it's, it's hard on my side because everybody wants them, but almost nobody got to the point where they were doing them in package. You know, you have Lush is, from Fremont is kind of a hazy IPA, Silver City Drop Tropic Haze. But, I mean, beyond that, three-way came out, but you can barely get it. You know, so so it's either really, really limited stuff or draft. So three-way, who made that and what was the hype around that? That was, it's always a big beer every year, but it's a Fort George beer. It's always a two brewery collaboration and this year was rubens out of seattle and great notion out of portland and it was just a nice big tropical fruit forward hazy ipa and i love watching people's eyes get weird when you say tropical fruit and it's like well there's it's hops there's nothing fruity about it you didn't check a mango in there yeah (laughs) well and more and more people are doing Fruit beers, especially this summer, I just think that across the board, everything's getting better. So it's not like, oh, cool, a mango pale ale that if they do it right, it could be okay. It's like the trend over the last couple of years is it's going to be delicious, whether it's 
a nice beer with a little bit of fruit note, or it's basically mango juice with a little bit of beer in it, but I'm kind of fine either way. <laughs> so how do you think the consumers are? Are they, are they open to that? And like, do they come in here with a bit of knowledge? Extremely. And it's kind of strange to me because I am seeing the, like the craft beer world expanded more and more to different customers in a lot of different ways from like your Colshan premium lager, bringing in guys who used to buy Rainier. A lot of mid to larger breweries have done a really nice, crisp, clean lager that's cheap or at least cheaper than the rest of their line to compete with the Rainier Paps drinkers. And then fruits and sours are so much more accepted that you get people who typically drink cider or people who drink wine or people who don't like beer that are just like, oh, man, this pineapple apricot wheat beer is blowing my mind and I can't get enough of it. So And <laughs> doesn't quite taste like beer, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or I mean, even like uh, the uh, the big one for us last year that was really ahead of the curve on that was uh, Avery does a beer, a passion fruit wit beer called Lilacoy Capolo, and it is a glass of passion fruit with like, just enough beer on the backside that you can drink as many as you'd like. It's not like a, well, I'll drink one and I'm either like, it's so acidic, I'm getting heartburn or it's so sweet, I'm going to get a headache if I keep drinking it. It's like they really found a nice balance in there where you can just keep drinking them. All right. And in terms of uh, local beers for the summer, different breweries, who stood out for you? Ooh, I mean, Boundary Bay... Came at it real hard with dropping into cans. The cedar dust has been huge for us. And I feel like a lot of people weren't necessarily excited when they heard about Citruweiss, but all they had to do was try it. And it was just like, okay, that's real good. You know, it was, it was in that realm of like, not super beery because it was a light sour, but not over the top fruity they just kind of found that nice middle balance of kind of tasted like lemonade you could drink a bunch of them so what's wrong with that right so all right here comes autumn it's pumpkin beer season (laughs) (laughs) yes already had a couple thrown out at me yeah (laughs) so besides pumpkin beers what else can we expect for autumn beers I I definitely see a trend for more and more people doing random flavored beers that may or may not sound great on paper, but all that stuff is getting dialed in so well that even things that are like, I don't know if that's really going to work, and you take a sip and, you know, sunshine breaks through the ceiling and you're just Mm -hmm. reveling in the glory of a fantastic, delicious beer. Ballast Point kind of got on it with uh, their Victory at Sea is the Imperial Porter. And then they did a cream ale version called Calm Before the Storm. But two years ago, they started doing, I think they did 30 variants of Victory at Sea at the brewery. And we were able to pull a couple of them. But I think you're just going to see more and more stuff like that. Somebody make a really crazy porter and throw anything from, you know, People are doing pumpkin pie beers last year, pecan pie porters. And, you know, I I think there'll be a lot of that stuff this year that will be really good. 
but everybody is coming with barrel age stuff too. Uh, I think some of the first barrel age Aslan beers out of their new facility are going to start dropping in the fall. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm really excited to see what they've got coming just because I feel like they do a really good job of balancing what they really want to do with what they can definitely get away with and attain and just pushing themselves all the time to make better beer. I mean, I don't know anything specifically that's coming from Wander, but I'm always interested to see what they got coming out of their barrels and fooders and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I, I'm sure Boundary Bay is going to keep coming with cans for the fall. Well, and then I, I know it's getting that cold time of year when cabin fever turns up too from, yeah. from Boundary. So And yeah. every, I mean, so many people just freak out and love that beer. It's mm-hmm. it, it, it really amused me when I moved to the state and was like, so what is that beer? And people are like, I don't care. I love it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't need to define it. It's delicious. So, and I, and not to completely discredit pumpkin beers, um, like how, how do they sell here? Do, do they sell relatively well? It, it kind of depends on the, it's a really interesting beer style. Cause the people who love them, love them and can't get enough of them. But there's also, you got to hit that right window where even if it's something that's sold really well here in the past, if you bring it out too early or too late, it might just sit there. And especially with having a big selection, it's kind of year to year on how everything's going to go. I mean, the, the kind of the big ones are, we did really well with, I think it's called Piper Down, the pumpkin beer from Ballast Point last year. Southern Tier out of upstate New York does pumpkin that's always mm. a big one that, that's a favorite pumpkin beer of mine yeah and it's really weird to make a pumpkin beer that ages out really well that yeah. four years down the road is even better i yeah. think it's really interesting but it kind of depends on who's making them who's got different fun ideas because i mean not every pumpkin beer is the same vintage to vintage so i've it's interesting to me just because it's not something I would necessarily think that would do really well in this market because there's so many diehard old school beer guys. But if something's good, it's good. And I don't think it really matters the flavor profile. If you can convince somebody to try it, it's mm-hmm. the other issue you can run into. Yeah. One beer, because uh, I'm not quite ready for the cabin fever yet. That That is like, it's got to be real cold outside for me to have a cabin fever. So I'd say in the autumn time, a a good local beer of mine that I really like, uh, which just reminds me of taking a walk on the beach in November during a storm because it's got that light saltiness in it, is the Oyster Stout from Atwood. Like, I I personally like that one. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something that has happened more and more in America. I mean, the first one I ever encountered was out of Dublin called Porterhouse. Mm Mm-hmm. Atwood dropped the summer counterpart. They did a oyster goza, so you know it's it's an interesting flavor. You live by the sea; everybody's pretty down with seafood. You get some of that brininess going. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. For a year-round local beer, what's a good go-to for you? Pretty much love everything that comes out of structures. As far as hazy IPAs being trendy right now, they to me seem like 
that's kind of what they've done, and it didn't really matter that it was popular when they started doing it, and it's brought more people interested in them as it's become popular, but they're just doing it because that's what they do. They are always rocking those barrel-aged saisons, and you know they're dropping a bunch of like raspberry fuzz and fruit on fruit and all these new funky things. So I I just am constantly excited by all the weird things they come out with and gotta love all the metal names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Coco at Elizabeth Station. Cheers. Big thanks to Coco at Elizabeth Station. Looking forward to having our winter beer chat in a few weeks' time. So be sure you're subscribed to the Tapped In podcast so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to visit taptrail.com for all the latest craft beer news from Bellingham, as well as our previous episodes of this podcast. Thanks for joining us here on the Tapped In podcast. Tapped In is a production of the Bellingham Tap Trail. I'm Aaron Johnson, the producer of this episode, and our content director is Scott Elton. And you're now tapped in. We'll see you next time right here on the podcast.